This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's my pleasure to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Speaking of ripoffs, how would you like if I ripped you off? That's why we have Clark Stinks at clark.com slash Clark Stinks. You ever feel like the advice I gave shortchanged you? Well, you get to hear what other people feel and where they feel I could do a better job later this hour when you get to hear Clark Stinks. I've got a follow-up for you on something that has really emerged as a problem going back to this last spring and is intensifying here in the summer, and that is where credit card companies are either without notice closing your account or reducing your credit line. And it's because the rate of delinquencies with credit cards is zooming right now, and the number of charge-offs, that's where people just aren't flat out paying their bills anymore, has gotten really bad again with credit cards. So the credit card companies are really freaking on this, and they're punishing people who have not caused a problem, but they're just worried and trying to dial back their portfolios. Our producer, Kim, got a letter from one of her credit card companies, in this case, American Express, and American Express did not write Kim to tell her they love her. In fact, this letter is pretty cold, from American Express to you. It shows that bankers exist as bankers only with artificial hearts. It felt that way. Yeah, so they told you your spend activity on your account listed above has been significantly lower than your credit limit. In order to align with your spending, we have lowered the credit limit on your account. And uh, it goes on from there. Very warm and friendly and fuzzy American Express. Yeah, super fuzzy, considering they are my oldest line of credit, and I've been with them for about 23 years. I was very disappointed. But you did get one please in the letter. (laughs) Your options, if you would like us to review our decision, please, please. Hey, there it is. Call us at the number on the back of your card. (laughs) That I thought was particularly kind of lame that they couldn't just type out the number that I had to go get out my card and look at the little bit on the back. I'm like, you're really not encouraging me to call, are you? So I'm not specifically picking on American Express, even though that was really harsh. (laughs) I just did. (laughs) But this same kind of banker mentality with a complete lack of sense of loyalty to a customer who's been loyal the coldness, the, um, I mean, why do people hate banks so much? Because this is the way they behave. You know, the artificial heart was developed as a way of saving lives of people whose human heart was not functioning. But 
when the banks came up with the idea of having all their employees implanted with artificial hearts, they've been thrilled with it. And this is a perfect example. So American Express, warm and fuzzy, warm and fuzzy. Uh, but this could have been from any of the other big issuers because this is going on. So no, this is why it is very important from a defensive standpoint that you have a minimum two credit cards from two different issuers. Because at least Kim didn't get the other nasty gram that so many people are receiving, which is, we are closing your account. And, and this is not for somebody who's been a problem. I mean, that's just the way it's playing right now. And I've talked before, and we did something, a video on Clark.com, about why probably in this circumstance, having four credit cards from four different issuers may be the right defensive posture with the um, behavior of the banks right now. And uh, that would be a major credit card, which is Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover. Never more than one thinking of it as a defensive position from the same issuer. Like if you have a couple of cards with Chase and that's it, you're going to have a really bad day if Chase decides you're out all at one time. That's why you want to have them from more than one place. And I really like for you at this time to go to a credit union that you're a member of and get a credit card from them. Credit unions are, because they're owned by their members, don't just throw people overboard willy-nilly when things get a little rough out there because they're there to serve their members. They're not looking at you as just a data point and a profit center. I apologize if I missed this, but did you um, share the punchline that I was able to call an appeal? Well, that's why it said in the letter you could. You could, and it wasn't that hard of a conversation. It was a little obnoxious going through the same story with them over and over, but they updated my income stuff, which they hadn't done since 2005, and reviewed it and then restored it back to the other one. So for anybody that else that this happens to, I think it's definitely worth the phone call at least. And the person you spoke to at American Express, did they have a real heart or an artificial? They sounded exactly like your imitation of the letter. So strange. <laughs> did they really? <laughs> it was obviously scripted. Yeah, everything they said was obviously like reading from a script. Even after they transferred me to a manager, he was reading from a script. It's just, you know, it's not a warm, fuzzy situation. But you, by advocating for yourself, you got it reversed, I did. and now your credit isn't going to be harmed by that credit right. limit reduction. Yep. Good job. PJ is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, PJ. How are you? Hi, Clark. Great. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Well, it's great to have you here, and you have a suggestion for something that has been a terrible problem for so many parents of teenagers and that is that it costs about as much to insure a teenager as it costs to buy a building. Yeah. You had a recent caller who mentioned they were going through a, similar, a scenario similar to what my wife and I just went through where their son turned 16, and they contacted their insurance company about putting them on their policy for their vehicles, and that caller was about $4,000 a year more. In our case, it, was, it wasn't that much, but it was quite a bit. So in talking to the insurance company, we uh, or our agent, we came up with a way to take the sting out that actually worked well with something we were thinking about doing anyway. 
what I learned was that the the insurance company will rate your young driver on the highest cost vehicle you have, and both of our vehicles are currently fully insured, and therefore that that increased costs. However, if I were to purchase a vehicle and carry only liability, he could be listed as a primary driver on that vehicle. And in doing so, we pay substantially less. In, in fact, the difference for us was about $900 a year less. And given the cost of the vehicle that we were purchasing, we would almost have it paid off over the two years that he was in that higher risk. So it That's was a, a very it was a, clever idea. So what were you able to buy so inexpensively? We actually bought a uh, 1996 uh, Ford Ranger pickup, and uh, he, you know, he will drive it just to work. I did confirm with the insurance company there's no problem with him driving our other vehicles. If we wanted him in a safer vehicle for a longer distance or something, he's free to drive those vehicles. But so long as he's primarily driving that used vehicle, um, he's, he's able, we're able to get into that lower rate. I appreciate your strategy so much. And there's something you said I want to point out. You said that uh, it was the person at the insurance company who helped you figure out a workable strategy. Is that right? That's right. It was our agent. We have okay. a really good relationship with our agent. Well, that is great. You know, fewer and fewer people today have an agent who, even though they are the agent of the insurance company, historically, psychologically, they've really been an advocate for their customers. And yours is a perfect example of where an agent advocated and saved you a lot of money. That's really wonderful to hear. Yeah, and, and it will keep, the, keep miles off of our other vehicles. So there were a lot of advantages to the whole thing. Well, that is such a good story. And, you know, there are differences from state to state and insurer to insurer. But I love suggestions like yours as ways of trying to reduce the cost of insuring a teenage driver and uh, you may have heard what we've done that our teenage daughter is in college in an area where there's a lot of Uber and Lyft and what she's spending per month on Uber and Lyft is less than what the auto insurance was for her to be a driver and now somebody else has to put the wheels on the road and drive her, which she loves. Lots of ways to get around the auto insurance for a teen thing. Dan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Dan. Hey, Clark. Dan, what's going on? I have a six-month-old. We are planning on putting into a private school probably when they're three or four, and we're seeing if there's any kind of 529 plan uh, that we can use tax advantage for that to pay for the private school. So each state establishes what they permit as far as money going through into use for a private school. And usually it's considered to be K through 12. Uh, traditional kindergarten is when states have generally allowed 529 money to be used for a private school that before that, you know, historically that was called pre-K or nursery school. And I'm not aware of, there may be a state here or there that's allowing that, but to my knowledge, 
it's kindergarten through 12. And you're allowed to take, in the states that permit it, typically up to $10,000 in annual tuition can go towards private school tuition, kindergarten through 12. Okay, great. That's going to max out at about 10000 a year anyway. So that could that could work out well for you. You gotta you gotta put in a big chunk to be able to really make it work for you because you need several years of tax free growth and tax free spending before the it's really worth it to use the five twenty nine money for private school. Is your child likely to go private school all the way K through twelfth? Uh, most likely, yes, sir. So what I've recommended in that case is that you use the child's young years to keep piling money into a 529, give it several years to grow, and then maybe about middle school age is when you start using it to pay tuition so that you've had enough years where you've had tax-free growth and tax-free spending. Because if you turn around when a child's really young, you put money in, you turn right around and take it out, there's just not enough earnings to make it worth doing all that. Okay. So it is a a new tool for people, and I think that in the time that it's been legal in many states to use 529 money for private school before college, I could probably count on one hand the number of calls I've had about it. So most parents are still thinking of 529 as principally for college. Ari is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you today? Great, how are you? Good. You have a question about something that the answers have gotten so much better in the last couple of years. Hit me with it. That's great. Well, this goes along with the spend less idea because I have looked around and I did a little internet searching and I found I wanted to, well, let me start with what I'm trying to accomplish. My daughter is going to be spending a year in uh, a different country, and we have to pay for the program that she's going to be going to. It's a gap year, so she'll be finishing high school, which she's graduating in a a month. And before college, she's going to spend a year studying in a different country. And the school wants it in their currency. And so I looked at a a few different companies, one of them on your website, but then as I'm doing some internet searching, I found a website that did a comparison engine which I'm not sure is legit, so that's part of my question. And then I found a different company that looked less expensive. So, of course, I want to spend less, but you're so worried about scams. And if you transfer money and you wire money, I feel like there's no way to ever get that back if it's a mistake. Absolutely. Now, I am so glad that there are these alternatives because not that many years ago, the only choice we had if we needed to send money overseas was to do it through a bank. And banks in the United States have used this as a way to just eat people's wallets up. And they're not competitive at all in the marketplace. When the banks had a monopoly, it was just ridiculous how much they ripped us off. But now... I looked at that option. (laughs) It's a lot. Isn't it crazy how much the banks cheat you? And it is a cheat. It's not even charge you. But the big players in it or OFX and TransferWise. I don't know if you've looked at either of them. I didn't look at OFX. I looked at TransferWise, and that's the company that I found is 
seems to be less expensive. But the big mystery is how do you know whether you're dealing with a legitimate company, even if they have a website and say they've been established since 1979 or whatever they're saying? Uh, who are they? Go ahead and ask me. Who are they? Currencytransfer.com. I'm not familiar with them. Okay. Um, and I found them on finder.com, which was a website that compared uh, currency transfer uh, websites. How much cheaper are they than um, the two that are the best known transfer-wise in OFX? I would say it was about 10% cheaper. 10%? Really? Yeah. So you mean uh, 10% less of the fee, not that it's 10% yeah. to send money. Okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, if I if I was sending, you know, $1,000 and they were 900 versus 1000 from the other companies, right? Okay. If it if it's much cheaper, uh, you are going to be making multiple tuition payments, do a test with them and see what you can find with reviews. Put in the name currency transfer and then put in the word ripoff as a search. See if there are people who have gripes with them. If everybody's happy with them, and it works with a small transfer, give it a try. Maybe you've found another that is cheaper than the two that are most established. If it is a problem, then you know who you should use. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. I want you to know that one of the key principles of our show is that we all learn together and i'm just a guy i've been doing this a long time and if there's anything i've learned there's always more to learn and that's why i appreciate so much the feedback you give me so many different ways including if i've upset you or if i've disappointed you whatever it is where you feel the information i'm giving is off base or wrong please take time to go to clark.com slash clarkstinks and post where you feel I could do a better job or where I did miss the mark. And once a week, our producer, Krista, goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares her favorites, her highlights, with you here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Leaving the social security number blank does not work in the real world, Clark. I was told by my doctor that he will not have me as a patient unless I give my social security number. I was in a bind and gave it to him. Other places have allowed me to give only the last four digits after a battle. Online forums do not let you leave anything with an asterisk blank. Do I need to report all of the places that forced me to give my social? Mara. Mara, doctors doing this is a completely unacceptable practice. There is no legitimate reason a doctor should ever want your social security number. It is a negative requirement so that they can go after you with a debt collector if there's any issue with the billing that they feel they've not been paid for. Doctors are opening themselves up to liability by requiring that social security number because half of all breaches happen in medical facilities because medicine is terrible about protecting data. So 
we now have on Clark.com a briefing with a list of Social Security numbers you can write on a form that are never assigned to anybody. And you can just have a couple of them in your phone, and when you're at a doctor's office and they demand a Social Security number, you can write in one of these Social Security numbers, which will harm no one and will protect you. And shame on a doctor who is so sure that you're going to be a deadbeat that he or she will not see you, will not treat you, if you don't disclose your social security number. I mean, the whole reason that insurance companies were required to eliminate the use of social security numbers as an identifier on insurance cards was to help with identity theft problems. Now Medicare cards, transitioning region by region to where they no longer have your social security number on them to prevent identity theft issues. And then doctors and medical facilities going against the whole goal here, which is to stop as much as we can the problems with identity theft and becoming a big part of the problem. A lady called in asking about extended warranties for her car, specifically a Toyota hybrid. I work as a technician at a Toyota dealer, and everyone knows Toyotas are built well. The problem is Toyota's proud of their parts, and they are continuing to get more expensive. If you buy the 10-year, 100K extended care from Toyota for about $2,500, you'll save money. I don't know about the brands, but buy Toyota, with Toyota, buy the Platinum Warranty. John. So, John, on the idea of buying an extended service contract on a vehicle, I'm neutral on that. The math uh, that's been run by Consumer Reports finds that it's not really any better for the consumer than it is for other purchases to buy an extended service contract, extended warranty. The difference with a vehicle is the cost of repairs can be a budget buster for many people who don't have a lot of money in savings. The reason I draw the line, you heard me say, is there are certain brands that show to be extremely extremely reliable. And as a result of their reliability, it's a better bet for the consumer to keep that money that they would spend on that extended service contract in their pockets that would then be available to pay for a repair later instead of paying for it. And most of the time, people finance that as part of their loan for a vehicle, so the cost is actually a lot higher than the stated price. Oh, and by the way, if you ever do buy one, only from the manufacturer of your vehicle itself, only, never some junk that the car dealer wants to sell you it must be the manufacturer's own for you to have any sense of peace of mind most of your advice is very good but you are way off in telling those with a low interest mortgage rate to pay only the minimum payment on their mortgage one can use any online mortgage calculator and see thousands of dollars saved over the life of a loan by making extra payments on the principal of a mortgage this is guaranteed return whereas the return from the market is not guaranteed not to mention the peace of mind that comes from becoming debt-free sooner. And I wonder how many people that you've given that advice to have actually invested that extra money in the market instead of spending it. Come on, Clark, get your mathematical calculating act together. I would think that you wrote this to yourself, Clark, but it's from Ben in Troy, Ohio. Ben, uh, you are right that people who might devote money to prepaying principal on a mortgage not doing that as a choice, might instead spend the money. 
But if you look at an ultra-low interest rate mortgage versus taking the opportunity for the long haul to invest, you will, in any 10-year period, pretty much ever tested, will make more in the market than you would save by prepaying on the mortgage. Having said that, there are a lot of people who investing in stocks is a bridge too far. It's something they're not comfortable doing. And if the interest rate on the mortgage is higher than any other priority you have and you can't earn as much on savings or a CD, then if somebody wants to prepay on the mortgage and end up mortgage debt-free, great. I love being debt-free myself. Whenever Clark encounters someone with intelligence, he always calls them brainiacs over and over. It's condescending. Clark should compliment the person for their achievement and move on. Lee. Lee, I, I don't know what to you say. You can call me that. a brainiac. I don't care. Yeah, hi, Just brainiac. So, you know. so I think it's really important in a world where people are always tearing each other down to be as encouraging to people as I can be and complimentary to people. And I don't see it as condescending at all. If somebody is doing something that's really smart with their money and they've really been uh, thoughtful about how they do things with their money or their lives, I want to give them a compliment. Maybe I use that term too much, but you're going to have a hard time getting me not to be complimentary to people because it's just part of what makes me up, how I tick, how I think. Where did Clark get his training in actuarial science? Is he a fellow actu- full fellow actuary? He often implies that he is smarter than the actuaries employed by insurance company insurance companies who Clark says don't know how to price auto insurance. They foolishly use credit scores to set premiums. What Clark doesn't understand is that it is not s- simply the likelihood of an accident that is important to insurance companies. More important is the amount of claims that they have to that have to be paid. In the case of a minor accident, a person with a high credit score will be glad that nobody got hurt, will collect the insurance company's payment for damage to his car, and will move on with his life. A person with a bad credit score views such an accident as having won the lottery. He will rush to a chiropractor to get a neck brace, and then will argue endlessly about the value of his old car. Harry. Harry, wow. Um, I'm stunned by how you feel about people of uh, lower who make lower incomes and maybe have less in their wallet. Yes, I know all the ads on bad late, you know, daytime TV for all those have you been injured in an accident thing and all the billboards around the country and all that. You are right. There's a mentality in some people that being in any incident or accident is an opportunity they hope to win the lottery. And there are people like that. So I can't dispute that part, but to specifically say it's because people of lower income are going to try to get the big score and people of higher income won't. But in this case, we're actually using credit score as a substitute for income. I just find that shows too little faith in our fellow human. Clark showers with me every day, so I know there's no stink, but I was shocked to hear him say that he didn't know about saving medical receipts to support HSA withdrawals down the road. I first learned this from fire blogger and podcaster The Mad Scientist. I only wish I had discovered this world a decade or two earlier. Thanks for the many years of entertainment, advice, and insight. 
Greg. P.S. I listen to the podcast while I shower. Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> okay, that's a great suggestion. And the idea of this, and we also had a caller who was on the air bringing this up as well, is that if you use an HSA, if you can afford to use an HSA, a health savings account, in the most efficient way, you just let it keep growing over the years. But then at the point you want to spend, you can do look back with prior receipts. And that's why someone who's well organized and keeps good records of their medical expenses that were unreimbursed, that it's an opportunity for you to claim that money using those prior receipts, which was something I didn't know about till I heard from our caller to the show. Hi, Clark. I find it hard to believe that you would ever advise someone to attempt to get their federal loans forgiven, since that is essentially stealing from other taxpayers, many of whom never even went to college. I don't think that you would ever advise someone to steal from their neighbor's refrigerator, but there is no difference. Thanks for listening to my thoughts, Tim. Tim, you know, I hear what you're saying, and the student loan forgiveness, the the programs that are available, I didn't invent them, I didn't create them, and I know you've heard me say I would like to end student loans in the country. I think a lot of the inefficiency with colleges and the costs of attending colleges have gone up at many times the rate of inflation or economic growth in the country is because the ease of ability to borrow under student loan programs. But if the student loan forgiveness programs exist and operate, I have a duty and responsibility for borrowers to explain their rights. But again, if I were your emperor, there would be no such thing as student loans available, and it would bring market discipline to the cost of education. I appreciate all your posts. Please, if you hear something you don't like the sound of, like what I just said about market pricing for education, go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks and let me have it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Brooke is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Brooke. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. You get to go live overseas. Where are you going? I'm going to London for five weeks. That's my host country, but I'm planning to do more traveling on the weekends and stuff. Well, you're lucky. (laughs) All right. So when you go traveling around Europe... Uh, you know, you're going to see advertised when you're in London online and on uh, signs in the subway and stuff, these ridiculously cheap fares on 
Ryanair and EasyJet. And okay. you got to know what the drill is like with them, what flying is like. So make sure before you book one of those deals to jet off to Italy for the weekend or whatever for, you know, for eight pounds, that you know what the rest of the story is flying one of those. Okay. But you will, you'll have such a privilege. My oldest daughter got to do a, um, a semester abroad when she was in college in West Germany. Well, now it's not West Germany, in Germany, in the western part of Germany. And she learned pretty quickly taking those weekend trips that she had to know all the gotchas flying on the discounters. But right. what kind of stuff are you interested in for your five weeks that I can be of help to you about? Um, well, I honestly, I, w- I, I decided that instead of just getting money out and uh, having like a set limit, I was just going to open up like a, another credit card so, and just use all my transaction on, on a credit card. So um, I did some research and um, I applied for some and I got denied um, because I only have one line of credit right now. Um, so I'm just, I just wanted advice on where, like what the best um, strategy would be to looking into a credit card that has no annual fee and no foreign transaction fees. So uh, Capital One is the pioneer in having cards with no annual fee and no transaction fee. And did they turn you down for one of their cards or is it other issuers? Yes. Yes. Capital One is, yes. And did you call them and ask about the decline? No, I didn't because they said they were going to send me a letter in 10 days of the reasoning why. So I was just going to look at that in 10 days and see if I could work around it or something. And did you apply for their student card or their regular cards? One of their regular cards? I applied for one of the regular cards. And you're in school now or out? Yes, I'm in school. In school. So you're probably going to, I would call them up, say you were declined, and ask them if you would qualify for one of the student cards. And they could take an application from you right over the phone if you would. Okay. Because I want you in one that has no foreign transaction fee. Are you a member of any credit union that your family historically has been in? Um, I am. I have a bank account with LGE, which is a credit union, but um, it's not very long-standing. Okay. And do you know if LGE Credit Union offers a student, college student credit card? I do not know. All right. Uh, I'd call them too. I mean, this is the kind of thing you're you're tr- you're thinking this through just right. You know, looking for a card that's going to have no transaction fees. Now the the alternative if all else fails is open an account with Charles Schwab and get their debit card for foreign travel that will charge you no fees at all at ATMs while you're overseas. And has no foreign currency junk fee to use okay. the card. So if okay. it, if push comes to shove, that would be how I'd do it and where I'd go. Okay. Cool. But I'd love it if you could get the Capital One with the no foreign currency fees. Because if you were if you were a full-time worker and were not in college, I've got a whole bunch of recommendations I would give uh, what cards you should have. But it just gets more difficult 
when you're in school and getting those approvals. And have a great, great trip. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.